thanks for tuning in. This is Sunday Recap, the weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermons past Sunday. For more recordings of our sermons, for more podcasts, to submit any questions or comments you might have, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. I'm Joey Colon, one of the assistant pastors here. I'm Chris Webster, the assistant pastor of Singing and Sending Things. I'm Jim Wilson, just your standard assistant pastor. Uh, standard executive pastor. Run of the mill, doing everything. Guy. <laughs> well, if you haven't noticed, Dave McMurray is gone. He was gone yesterday. He's in Tennessee visiting family again. This is like his third week in a row that he's just left town and gone to Memphis. So hopefully he's having fun there. I made a, a joke on Sunday that... If he'd rather, or that he would rather, if he's going to get coronavirus, he'd rather do it in Tennessee with his granddaughter. And some people thought that I said that Dave has coronavirus. So that is not true. That's fake news. Dave does not have coronavirus. (laughs) That's not why he's gone. That's not anything uh, to that nature. Dave is perfectly fine and healthy as of the last time I spoke to him. Um, But who knows where he is today. I'll make another joke, and y'all can take that however you want. So Dave Tate was with us this week. Dave Tate is from Temple Bible Church. He's currently their high school pastor. He's been their high school pastor for, what, 14 years, 16 years? As long as Dave has been here. Yeah. As long as Dave McMurray has been here. He's been a tiny bit longer, I think. But yeah, Because they were close to each other in office space. Yeah. Yeah, Yep. Well, Dave Dave Tate is a friend. It's a little confusing because we might just say Dave, and you won't know which one we're talking about, Dave Mm. McMurray or Dave Tate. But because Dave McMurray and Dave Tate are gone, we have Kathy with us today. <laughs> I am super excited to have Kathy in here. Kathy did say before we went live that she's a little nervous. So For real. y'all can smash that heart and um, <laughs> laughy face and everything and let her know that everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have Kathy in with us. Kathy is, I said yesterday at our newcomer's lunch, and I really was preparing this comment for the podcast, that Kathy is the smartest person I know. So she was uh, my first call whenever we were like, we don't have Dave. It's ah. like, get Kathy. She'll be just as good. <laughs> so, so I'm not trying to put a high bar yeah, no on No pressure. You. I'm just trying to say <laughs> Kathy's super smart. Kathy runs our women's ministry. Uh, she loves on our women here at Grace Bible Church well. And we're super excited to have her in with us. And she is... She is, for sure, the most educated person in the room, mm. even if she's not the most smartest person in the room, mm. but I think she is. Also, no from, pressure. From the school of hard knocks, that's about it. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have two proposals based on what you've said so far. Okay. I think we need to call Pastor Dave, Dava, as per his request, okay. yeah, to differentiate. Request, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And secondly, if we ever don't have anything to say, we should all stare awkwardly at Kathy. Oh, that seems Thank really you. kind. Right. Okay, Kathy. Right. 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 Good. All right, good to go. Never As I say, Kathy's never coming back, but she said it first. Coming back. Well, this week, uh, Dave Tate continued our Talking with God. Actually, before I get into it, we were going to make fun of Dave Tate first. Dave Tate was too scared to come into the podcast today, and so we're going to talk about him instead and talk about his sermon. So if he has judgmental things and he's not happy with how we talk about it, it's his fault for not being here. Mm-hmm. But not really. We love Dave. He's there's, just a call, busy. there's a call-in feature on the podcast too, so if he has problems, Dave, if you're <laughs> nice. listening right now, you We're can call right in. Now. Yeah, yeah, you, you can call, call in into the uh, church <laughs> office, and we'll put you on speakerphone <laughs> on my little phone right there. There's not actually a call-in feature. Yeah, sorry. There can be. We can make that happen. Well, you can call it in, but you leave a message. It's not just, live. Call just in. shoot me yeah. a text, Dave, and we'll put you on. <laughs> we'll just put you on speakerphone. Uh, but we're continuing our talking with God series, the ancient art of prayer. Um, we're on week three of a six or seven week series. Um, this week we talked about presence over place with Dave Tate and by his own admission, uh, when you invite a guest preacher to talk during your series, he said, you can expect him to not talk about your series. And he said, but I'll, I'll do it at the end. Don't worry. Uh, and he did, but I, I would say it wasn't the same, uh, focus of prayer like we've been doing, but it was almost a, uh, I'd say a refocus, right? A refocus on the person or the object of our prayer, the object of our faith. And so I thought it actually fit really well. He gave that funny caveat before he started that like, eh, I'm going to talk about something different and I'll tie it together, I promise. But really, it, it was all related and I thought it was it was actually fit pretty well. It wasn't like, um, what was it, last week on Lament. It wasn't like that where we're like talking about a type of prayer. 
But it's talking about the focus of prayer. I don't know. Also, mm-hmm. also like the context of prayer, like where we find ourselves and the things we struggle with. Yeah, I was hoping, sure, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as we go here, even as we talk about what he said, even we have the luxury of maybe pulling out some of those. How does that affect prayer moments based on what he yeah. said? You know, he, he, yeah, he talked a little bit about he didn't r- totally rewrite the sermon he had given before. He just kind of expanded the prayer section. But, but like you said, a lot of what he said, if he'd had time to just completely rewrite it for prayer, I think there could have been a lot of good nuggets. So, well, I think yeah. even he didn't really have to, right? It was, no, yeah, it's true. It was focused true. on the present of God, you know, both in the future, but also the presence with us now, mm-hmm. uh, focused on the recognition of, um, getting to spend eternity, uh, who we get to spend eternity with yeah. and how that should help shape our prayer life. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. I felt like it was very tight in. And so I, I was honestly a little nervous when he started with that caveat. I was like, uh, he's, he's going to go wherever he wants. And this isn't actually a prayer, um, sermon, but it, it was, um, and it was about presence over place was his title. Um, I don't know if y'all want to have any, maybe we'll do big picture, big thought ideas. And then we can get into some details. Does anybody have any big ideas or like, Man, when he said this, I just, it, it got me good. The presence over place. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was good. And, okay, we'll, we'll save more. Well, of that. yeah, I mean, I, one, one random side thing of when, when he was coming to preach, I, you know, I'm helping to promote, hey, we got a guest pre- preacher. And I'm always thinking, what's, what's the angle? What's, what's interesting for someone who is still even just questioning about God? Um, and, and obviously I think we know that like in Colleen and in our area, this is not always the place people want to be. Um, so as I was kind of crafting that language, I was just thinking, well, man, that, that, as as Dave kind of revealed as he was preaching, like, this is true of all of our life. We know the most important moments and the most important things that happen to us are related to who's with us and not just where we are. Um, and so. So hopefully that was a little bit of thing, something God could use to, to bring people from outside the church to say, man, yeah, I don't know that I'm in the right place. How do I know? And then to talk about that, that idea that, man, and Christians need to be reminded of too, like that whether I'm here or there or wherever, you know, that's just kind of a broad life reality that I may just feel like I'm totally in the wrong spot, but it's, it's about who's with me. So, so our moms were right when they told us not to hang out with those, those naughty friends. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, I guess I didn't even say where we're at. So this week mm-hmm. we're in, in the book of John, uh, we were looking at, uh, chapters 13 and 14. I looked down at Chris's phone and it's a big old guy with a mask. We're in the middle of the coronavirus <laughs> threat, <laughs> but we're in John chapter uh, 13 and 14 this week. Uh, talking about um, presence over place. So uh, I guess in context, and and Dave gave some of this, so if you, we don't say this enough, I guess. If you haven't listened to the sermon yet, pause Mm -hmm. this, stop watching this, go back and listen to the sermon. Mm -hmm. It should be on our YouTube and on our Facebook and on our uh, podcast stream already. But if it's not, pause this until it appears there. And and Everywhere about podcasts right now. Podcasts is being worked on as we speak as we speak yeah what's up kendrick (laughs) if you're kendrick if you're listening that's what we'll call this episode (laughs) kendrick if you're listening nice um but uh in context it's the middle of the upper room discourse so jesus hours away from hours away from death uh he's with his disciples in the upper room talking to them that's kind of the the context of where we're at so it's his last words to disciple before he goes to disciples before he goes to the cross and so he's uh, I guess what Dave said, if you like linear, what Dave Tate said, if you like linear and three-point sermons, here are my three points. He said, um, if you like a simple outline, he basically says that Jesus is saying, I'm going away, you are going to stay, and I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And he said he couldn't make the last point rhyme, and I was hoping that we could maybe go around <laughs> the room and see if anyone has any options for how to make it rhyme, if he ever has to give it again. I have I'll an send, idea. Well, it's close. I'll send the Holy Spirit your way. Ooh, That's your the way. I like I it. Nice. Away and way is cheating a little. It but is. But I, I wouldn't like write that, that song, but it'll work. You wouldn't write the song, but it might be a good summary <laughs> point. And I like your way. That's better than mine. My idea was I will send you the Holy Spirit today, which isn't technically mm. theologically accurate. That's wrong. Yeah. It's too wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. To stay. Yeah, can't have that. To stay. <laughs> to stay. Also, st- still yeah, iffy, yeah, yeah, but yeah. 
Yeah, that's stay. To stay, I like that yeah. one. Any other ideas? So I liked today because it rhymed well, and it's like, if you use today in the sense of like in the next four days, four to seven days, you know, <laughs> but it's not accurate, so I didn't push it. Any other thoughts on how we can make that last point rhyme? We need Kendrick. I've got no poetry today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, you were asking before we started if it was going to be cold in here, and I think it's warm in here. You're so. exactly right. No problems. Uh, so I'm, go- I'm going away, you're going to stay, and I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And then uh, he didn't, Dave didn't really like follow that outline to do each point. He kind of presented a, a big picture idea of, of what's going on, kind of tells the story, I guess. I really appreciated the storytelling nature of the sermon yesterday. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. had that feeling or thought with the sermon. Um, Loved his quotes, too. If you get a chance to listen back, yes. those are those are great. I love I quotes. I could read them to you. He has a couple in here. Yeah. He's D.A. Carson. Uh, I stole his notes. So that's what I'm, I'm nice, cheating off. Nice. Notes. <laughs> so he's got D.A. Carson. Um, Leon Morris. Leon Tim Morris. Keller. Jonathan Edwards. Yes, Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards is in there. Keller, oh, the Keller one was. Oh, I loved that one. We love Keller here. You can't, you can't get away doing a sermon here without having Keller involved. Uh, so I, I think I want to help, not help, but I want to talk through our talk in kind of the order he did, so that we have the same storytelling arc. And he started talking about, um, I guess, the disciples questioning where God's going or where Christ is going. Jesus answering him, "Where I go, you can't go." And then he talked about the disciples specifically and their ages. I thought that would be a kind of an interesting place to, to talk for a minute. Uh, if it got loud, the AC turned on or the heater turned on. And that hasn't happened in like months of us podcasting. <laughs> so it's all good. surprise if there's a... Sorry, I did it. Because <laughs> oh, uh. I said it was hot in here. He's the man. That's right. I'm okay with it. It's hot in here. If it gets a little noise, everybody else has to be okay with that. Um, so the disciples still being fairly young in their faith. So he was talking about how we, we often think about Paul and Peter and like being heroes of the faith and writing books of the Bible and etc. But when they're walking with Jesus and disciples, he said that they uh, probably have peach fuzz on their face still, right? Uh, I didn't know if anyone had any thoughts on that or the idea, I guess, that he talks about of uh, you know wanting to have these big high hopes and maybe it not playing out in the next, uh, what did he say, in the next 30 minutes, but it did play out in the next 30 years kind of idea. Any thoughts on any of that? I think it's hard for us culturally to understand that because we see late teenagers as very immature, but I imagine that their life being much harder, they had more life experience packed in in hard ways, and so they had really dealt with a lot of stuff, which I'm not saying they were a lot more mature, but but they aren't. They weren't the teenagers we experience today. Mm-hmm. So I think we don't we don't want to push that too far. I mean, I, I could make an old joke about Jim not uh, not trusting in our teenagers, but I, 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 no, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think there is a definitely a difference in culture. You know, they were they were grown ups. They were adults. They were probably like they're at marrying age and mm-hmm. well peter was married yeah. remember jesus goes in and heals his mother-in-law mm-hmm. during his ministry yeah. so mm-hmm. this has already happened before mm-hmm. so whether he's late teens or early 20s i mean we really don't know but mm-hmm. they were probably of the younger age but they have had to do some life things yeah mm-hmm. they, they were able to provide for their families i don't i can't right. imagine them being able to be married if they couldn't provide and obviously you know peter and andrew mm-hmm. and john and james they were all fishermen working mm-hmm. with their with their families, so they were able, uh, you know, they had some type of life-sustaining skills, mm-hmm. right. um, relationships. So further, like Jim was saying, maybe further down the road emotionally um, than what some of us are even today. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that was really helpful because w- that was my first thought. Is, is that true? Like, I don't know about teenagers, but yeah. But I, I do think maybe what can be paralleled is there. Uh, surely there is also that just broad arc of beginning of your life and the things you're thinking about middle of your life the things you're thinking about end of your life and the things you're thinking about and they're towards the beginning where you have this passion and you want to change the world and there's this you know i i feel like that may be an okay thing to to think of especially when you see 
the statements Peter's making is like, man, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to, I'll die for you. You know, and it's just this very fiery, like, maybe that's just his personality, but maybe that's also his, his kind of beginning of life. I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. I want to be known. I don't know if that's a purely modern, modern thing we have, um, or if that's always been true of young people. We want to be someone, you know, I, I think, yeah. There's a lot you could guess at and not a lot said. Yeah. So. And I also wonder, too, if we're not expecting more out of our teenagers and high schoolers. Like, mm. our teenagers and high schoolers, teenagers and young adults. Like, if we, because we don't say, yeah, if they could do it, you could do it. Or, like, your faith can be big and radical. Mm. And maybe you'll mess up some. But mm. yeah. but let's start working that. I don't know. Yeah. Thoughts on if we're giving enough you know, like, if, if we treat question. people like babies, then <laughs> they're going to be babies. I don't know if that... Well, I mean, I, the first thing that springs to mind for me on that is I feel like we have high expectations of fact-knowing, knowing of facts. Like, we really shovel so much facts into our, into our kids, but there's not as much expectation of character and of, of knowing, you know... We were reading articles on can you be ex- uh, can you be called literate if you don't know a single line of code when you Wait, go- and it, yeah yeah so it was a strange news news article and it was like what what's even the definition of literate but it really did uh, for me it just it just showed like we just think that the definition of an adult is shoveling facts into someone rather than things like self control and yes. the ability and faithfulness and and. Um, you know, just character and and sticking to things and stuff like that. So, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to mind for me when you say stuff like that. But I was I was fascinated. Did you guys have anything to say about that first? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Kathy. I think yeah. as a church here at GBC, <clears throat> when we have um, high expectations expectations and standards for our teenagers, we are pushing them forward in that. So, for instance, I think when we have done backyard Bible clubs. When we are training these youth, mm-hmm. and they week after week, they are learning how to share the gospel in different ways. They are learning to interact with kids, and that their faith matters, and they can pass that on. Then we are pushing them forward and giving them that expectation, and they and they've taken it. They've not just mm-hmm. shied away. They've taken it wholeheartedly. And I can testify to having three kids. Mm-hmm gone through that and that carries them to this day the things that they have learned i mean they're all young adults but um they continue to use those skills um those ideas those formats that they were taught back in backyard bible club as teenagers as high schoolers to share their faith Mm. yeah that's That's so good and i mean and we have taken our training model for our teens and at a partner meeting been like Here's what we do with our teens, and here's a teen to show you how to do it, and taught the rest of the adults. So mm-hmm. I think I think we are doing some of that here. I don't. I'm not saying yeah. we don't. Yeah, that's yeah. a good distinction to make too. When I say we, I would, I'm talking broad culture too. That shoveling effect, mm-hmm. and I love that grace, in many ways, is countercultural in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's a. I think that's an encouragement. So, uh, to to parents who may be listening too, of like, don't just have high standards of of education. Have high standards of of you know character and show them what that means and show them you know not just how to study other books but how to study the bible and how to vibrant relationship that's it that was i'm feeling challenged right there like man i should i should call my kids to things that that the culture would say they're not ready for they'll say they're ready for a lot of other things that i don't think they are but but we need to redefine that probably by based on the bible um i had one thing too in the same land of um so he said something like, uh, what did he say? The short-term versus the long-term thing. Oh, so Peter's statement doesn't hold up to the next 30 minutes. So he says, I will, what, what is Peter's statement again? Specifically, it was, I will die for you or? Yeah. Yes, I can't. <laughs> There's so many statements going back and forth. But he's, it says his statement doesn't hold up to the next 30 minutes, but does hold up to the next 30 years. And what matters is the long game. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm kicking the tires on that one, like, huh, agreed, and there is a great point to be made there, but I'm always looking for this, this, we've got to be clear, because the thing, first thing that came to mind for me was, but the long game is built up of the short game, right? Like, yes. Like, the long game yes. is not this weird detached thing sitting out there, and there's the short game here, so in my attempt to try to, try to get really precise with that, I think what he's saying is, 
don't be discouraged with a, a mistake that you make that doesn't determine everything but i would say more there is this land of patterns like the pattern determines the long game so what you, i've heard the quote you are what you do again and, and and that is an important thing to keep track of if yeah if you're just turning from god again and again and again and again guess what your long game is going to be right but there is that comfort of like man i'm i'm trusting in god i'm trying to repent you know repentance let repentance be the pattern right like so if you have this pattern of messing up, let it repenting to be the pattern, and God will shape you through that. Um, but does that does that help clarify that weirdness? Any any more well, thoughts think, on that? Like, I think it's important too to take in the rest of the story. It's Jesus that restores Peter yes. on yep. the beach, right? Yes, he comes and mm-hmm. and it's actually not a real confrontation, but he does something three times that draws Peter back and yeah. shows him Feed that you're loved. Feed my and, I haven't rejected you, even because even when this worst thing you could possibly imagine has just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think all of us have to remember that in our lives. We may mess up, but God is ready. He's right there, ready to restore us uh, when we repent. And you without know? and without that moment of Jesus doing that, that may have become his long game, right? right? Like yeah. like he could have just said, "Man, that's it. I'm done for ministry. Yeah. I've denied him." Well, and, yeah. and Tate said that, right? Tate, yeah. Tate was saying that Peter has no ability in his own strength to follow through on his statement right. of "I'll give my life for you." Right? It's not Peter's yeah, strength. It's good. And so, I, th- I think Dave was going towards take comfort in this, right? That yep. it's not <laughs> totally. you. It's not your works, because he went goes on r- shortly after that to start talking about works. Um, it's not you, it's not yours, it's Christ choosing you. It's his strength and his power. So he says that we should take comfort knowing that Jesus picked a traitor, a doubter, and a denier. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his summary on that. I thought that was pretty strong. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But cool. but to Chris's point, it, it is the decisions that I make every day yeah. that's at the end going to shape who I am. Uh, but we do have that forgiveness through Jesus every day who's mm-hmm. waiting for us. And that's affected by even... I've thought a lot about this, um, reading like uh, books like uh, Habits of Grace, loved it, it's so so soaked in, this is God's power in you, this is not, but, but also there are these things, the way God has built the world that you kind of put yourself under the faucet of his grace and he, when he wants to turn it on, you know, reading the Bible is that way, going to church is that way, praying is that way. Um, I've really like wrestled with what, it, what is, what does this look like? Um, and I just think, um, actually, I just totally f- forgot my thought. So I'm just going to make that a pitch for Habits of Grace. <laughs> Read that. Well, I guess I guess that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. So in storytelling even, so we're so soaked in story. Like our culture loves story. People love story. We watch movies. We read books, whatever it is. Um, but the way that you tell a story and read a story, it, it's the highlight reel. It is, it is the Facebook feed of the biggest and the worst things that happen and the best things that happen. And it's completely boring to read. Monday, March 2nd, read my Bible for 30 minutes. Monday, Mark, or March 3rd, read my Bible again. Like, no one tells Captain's a story, Mark. right? Like, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> nobody tells that story because they just want the highs and the lows and the and the, the kind of bigger picture is built that way. But for every single story, I would encourage people to read, a fir- especially, like, if you're reading a real life, like a biography or something, you have to know what set them up to be ready to do this thing. Uh, I think about Joseph we just went through. You have to know that him being in prison, it's easy to say he was in prison, and then Pharaoh called him and made him made him in charge of everything. But there's something in between those two moments that built Joseph like into the four, person. 14 years. Yeah, something. yeah, that built him into the kind of person who could be in charge of something. Um, so, and, and that's the stuff we don't read, and you just have to remember. So when you're experiencing going through life, it's different than just highs and lows. So, um. and and part of that experience of life is where, you know, the the sermon moved to and where the text moves to in John chapter fourteen, looking at verse one. That story is fear, right? Yeah. Also, and so fear creeps in, and they say, and and Christ tells them, you know, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And uh, uh, Dave said something along the lines of, we don't just fight fear by trying harder. We fight fear with faith. Uh, and it's not just faith in faith or even faith mm-hmm. in in a plan. It's faith in a person. And this is where he started talking about presence really strong. Mm-hmm. It's it's a faith in God himself. And then he goes on to say, 
we can trust the plan of God because we can trust the person of God. And I was thinking we can move into that that idea and that thought a little bit. Yeah, I, I love that contrast, uh, just showing that fear has an object, right? With something, something we're fearing, and in the same way, faith has an object, and the object is our Savior and His ability to conquer any of those things and to bring us through it in a way that we sometimes can't imagine. Uh, and so we, we've been given a wonderful object to focus on. That's so good. I, I, I immediately, I was loving that where he was contrasting fear and anxiety. So fear mm -hmm. has a direct object. Anxiety is just a, a broad sense of feeling. And that really, and then he said, so fear and faith go together. Faith has an object, just like fear has an object. And then I was like, well, what's the anxiety version of faith? And I think it's it's like churchianity or, or vague spirituality that our culture talks about is just this, I just broadly believe in supernatural things being there yeah. or, and I think that's the danger, right? Is, is there, like, I use the word churchianity. I think most people know what I'm talking about is like, have we bought into this just trappings of stuff that feels spiritual, you know, and that's what we're talking about. Or is our hope and our constant source of strength the person of Jesus, the biblical person of Jesus? Because even more broadly than, or even more specifically than, I just believe in Jesus. It's like, well, is it the Jesus of the Bible? Because that's the real Jesus. Or is it the Jesus in your head? And so that's another struggle. Like but you know what I mean? Like, Jesus, yeah, yeah, the historical Jesus. Um, so I just thought that was a really interesting thing. Maybe <laughs> someone well, else. Well, yeah. I just, I just, had, it's just a question more than. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. I just wonder if anxiety is the cumulative effect of a bunch of fears that we have. Mm. I don't know. I, at least based on his definition yesterday, not anything that I've looked up scientifically or anything. Mm -hmm. It's it's the difference of having a direct fear of something. Uh, I guess I see what you're saying. So like. Yeah. If you've had a lot of fears in the past, now you yeah. might just fear without mm -hmm. having an object. Mm -hmm. It's like the next level. I don't know. Um, I, I think so. I think there's something maybe. there. Yeah. I'm not a doctor or a scientist. Yeah. So. Me neither, but yeah. scripture tells me not to be anxious for anything yeah. Yeah. and not to be fearful yeah. because I have a Savior who's with me. Yeah. So I may not be able to understand all those the things, but it goes but it, right, it goes right yeah. back to w w what what has God provided for me, and mm -hmm. that's a Savior who never leaves yep. me, who yes. tells yes. me to cast my cares on Him. Um, back to that presence, He's mm -hmm. He's with me. The, yeah. the presence over the place. And that was one of Dave Tate's biggest points: is our greatest antidote to our antidote to our fears is the promise of being with Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and not. He goes on to talk about not the promise of like streets of gold or a mansion. <laughs> Come on. And, and but we <laughs> but we do run that trap a lot, that problem a lot, especially I would say, you know, going back to backyard Bible clubs, especially in evangelizing to children, we're like, Don't you wanna go to heaven? Like mm. don't you like there's songs about streets of gold and mansions. Mm. I, I think we make that mistake more than we do. Maybe uh, maybe we're self correcting better and maybe we're we're moving towards not doing that, but but we still do that, especially with kids. I feel like, and there's, there's. I feel like there's bumpers there too, because I think th there is biblical language of reward, sure, yeah. right? And so we, I think it's not that you don't talk about the reward; you talk about the highest reward, it being Jesus, right? You don't talk about treasure; you talk about Him being a greatest treasure. So I think we're all agreeing. But I'm just it saying is there, it's yeah. not um, because I think that's another mistake we can make is that um, just saying like I'm just here to throw my life away, and there's nothing after that but the bible is actually saying you're spending it and that there is a god who sees and rewards and that but he is the greatest reward and so that that's huge for for daily living i feel like or it has been for me i wanted to say one quick thing i don't know what we're in the yeah, yeah. weaving in and out this is how the sermon was this is cool <laughs> but, uh, to jim's point man i think when we're talking, like, I think it's super helpful as Christians talking about sort of just the process of mental health, even even in, like, the lament stuff we were talking about last week. Mm -hmm. So I I just had this thought, again, more of a maybe than a anything, but when you have that sense of anxiety, I think you're hitting on, Jim, a really healthy path out of that possibly is recognizing I have this fog of anxiety about who knows what. 
-hmm. And there's this really helpful path of saying, I need to get to the point of saying, where did that come from? There probably are specific fears either now or in my past. And then as Christians, we know the next step is how does Jesus speak to those specific fears and how can he calm this crazy fog of anxiety? And that's like a very important thing you can do. I'm not saying that's always how it and, works, and but turn it into a fog of comfort. Yes. Or a fog of yeah. trust. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's the next step of, in, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyways. That's, you just had a good podcast on fog of trust. <laughs> I, do. I don't like that. And I just, and I decide the title. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll write it down and it can be a contender. Well, but, um, I thought we were voting on the title. Like when was the last time you voted on the title? Hard fog of no. trust. Is that what you said? I just do don't it. like my own words. No, you're good. I have I so like much it. anxiety about my words. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I guess the only other thing, not only other thing, but one other thing I want to talk about from the section is, is the comfort involved in it, right? And uh, so fog of comfort, I really stole from Dave. I mean, he doesn't say fog of comfort, but mm. he's talking about mm-hmm. um, right before Christ going across that he's the one comforting mm. them, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything more on that, but... Mm. That's so good. I can trust the plan of God because I can trust the person of God. Again, saying it just in a bunch of different ways, but... Um, I think I mentioned this last time, but a friend of mine has convinced someone who's kind of on the edge of faith to read through the Bible, and I've just just been fascinating watching that, and he's talking about struggling through the Old Testament and so so many things that feel like, oh my gosh, this is a vengeful God, or Mm. or, uh, he's just so judgmental, or he's wiping out people, or it's violence, and, and, and there is just that man through the lens of knowing the goodness of God and knowing his plan. And that, that Keller quote I'll bring up, right? What is it? He, God will either give you what you ask or give you what you would have asked if you knew everything he does. Yeah. And I think that's just such a huge lens to, like, so back to Dave's point of, I can trust the plan of God because I can trust the person of God. That is That cannot be overstated probably um, how important it is to say, because you're good, I can I can do this thing that doesn't make sense in my head or in this, this culture or whatever that is. Well, it sort of fits into the whole idea of Jesus on the cross looks like a total defeat. Mm, yeah. yeah. And, and so lots of things happen in our lives, and we are just crushed by what's happening, yeah. uh, thinking, you know, this is the end. I mean, this is terrible. Mm. How could this possibly happen to me? And I think we have to go back to what Chris just said. Are we trusting in God mm. in the middle of that thing? Or am I trusting in my own strength? Uh, what is my hope in? Because mm-hmm. uh, there is hope in this whole thing. And that's what Jesus demonstrated, that there was hope beyond the cross. Mm. Yeah. And that the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's your song mm-hmm. from Sunday. Right on. Mm-hmm. Right on. Um, so uh, another way that I guess he represented 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 presence over place was about trying to find the destination, right? So first it's about, Mm. you know, going to prepare a place and the mansion and what I'll have. And then the next step was like, well, what about the destination, right? So John chapter 14, 5 through 7, Thomas saying, Lord, how can we um, get there if we don't know where you're going, basically, right? Um, And they've actually made it make... I think it made more sense to me than I think it has in, in, I don't know, maybe ever a long time, I don't know. But the whole GPS idea of like, yeah, you have to plug in a destination if if you want to get somewhere. And uh, and him just like not knowing. And we get that because you have to type in, you know, Grace Bible Church and hit go, or else you might never make it to Grace Bible Church because mm-hmm. we don't know how to get anywhere without a GPS. Um, uh, but he said, you see what Jesus is doing here? And he's saying that the word know is present tense. It's not a future tense. And they know the way because they know, or they know, because they know him, they know the way. Mm. Um, so he's, again, saying not about the destination, about the person. It's about his presence, both now and in the future. So I think instead of it being about a GPS, it's actually more like a, a Find My Friends app. So you can share your location for a little while. Uh, no, bad. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that one. That's yeah, right. it was it's bad. good modernization. Uh, Maybe. 
I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> no, probably, probably not. Probably not. Um, uh, sorry. I don't know where we're at. Um, words. Destination. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we're no, so just Jesus yeah. being the way and it not being about other things. And he talks about, you know, going to New York and visiting, you know, Sikhs and, and how there were a lot about their works and how all other religions are about works and what you can do to earn your salvation mm-hmm. and find the way mm-hmm. but really the way is is given it's in jesus i don't know yeah yeah he was trying it, i went back and listened to that part part specifically because it seemed like he was doing a very nuanced thing and i think he did i think he did a good job I, but i was still trying to like totally because he said at the beginning uh usually when this passage comes up is when um, people are saying there's many ways to God and, and any any religion will get you there. And then they, we say, Jesus said, I am the way. So there's I, I think part of it he was saying is we focus on the way, the singular. And that is, and he said that's true, but it's not necessarily true in the way you're thinking in this passage. So he was saying the disciples believed there was one God, believed there was only yeah. one, you know, one God in order to get to God one way. But they thought, I guess so. So really, he's switching it from our th- sort of our understanding of I am the road or I am the portal <laughs> to I think I was just trying to say what would I replace that with as Dave described it, and I think it's kind of like I am the steps, I am the process. It's like which is interesting, right? So contrasted to the Sikh temple, yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. I am they they would say the way to God is these acts, these right doing, these righteous deeds. And Jesus is saying, I am the deed. Like, yeah, I am the step. For right? sure. Like, he's, he's saying, uh, he, he's finding a way to bring them comfort in what he knows will be their temptation. Yeah. And he knows their temptation will be works-based mm-hmm. righteousness. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Is that a... I'm, I'm sure it's different for different people. That makes me think, culturally, what would y'all say? I'm sure there's two paths but what's more what's most dominant in our culture is it a righteousness thing or is it something else what's our how do we earn and what kind of righteousness i guess in our culture what would people most people say is the way to be good or the way to i think they'd say my good my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds and i'm good to go Mm. yeah the bar Mm -hmm. is really low (laughs) because you know we all want to set our own morality and so, therefore, we set it where we think we can achieve goodness, yeah. which may not be goodness at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we, we often set it based off of other people, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm better than those people. I haven't, I haven't killed yeah. anybody, or I'm no fill-in-the-blank. Mm. Yeah, we get to define our own standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as I win, I'm mm-hmm. happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's even just a non-offensiveness righteousness, too, that's a weird, like, as long as I don't make anyone feel bad... That's a, that's some kind of righteousness. As long as I don't impose my standards on anyone else, too, that one gets a little more slippery. But, yeah, interesting. So that is not it. Mm. And this is where he does use his Morris quote. He says, he quotes Morris saying, I'm the way, said one who would shortly hang impotent on a cross. I'm the truth. When the lies of evil people were about to enjoy a spectacular triumph, I'm the life when within a matter of hours, his corpse would be placed in a tomb. So giving comfort, being showing that he is the way or the process or the righteousness even. Yeah, the the right, yeah, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Even before his death. So good. I mean, no, knowing that the disciples are going to witness his death and dying on the cross, they're going to need to return to that mm-hmm. to remember wait a minute, Jesus did, even though he's dead, and it seems like all my hopes in this Messiah have now died with him, remember what he said, that he is the only way. Um, He is the life. And so I think that really would give them that great comfort that they needed, uh, especially after he had died Mm -hmm. and they had not seen him as the resurrected Lord yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and knowing the story, they still messed up and still struggled and still weren't really that comforted right mm-hmm. because the holy spirit hadn't come yet to remind them of everything that mm-hmm. jesus had taught them Whoa. because he didn't come today <laughs> <laughs> he, he came good. at pentecost that's, good. that's really good mm. other thoughts ideas on that before we move forward more 
Mm, I do, but it's not fully formed. It's colors in the air. Oh, I don't think in sentences. Purpley <laughs> puffs. <laughs> There's just something there too that quote leaves unsaid that that you all were hinting at is that Jesus really could have just died, and we don't get to see the other the end of that story, and he's just testing our faith, you know. But no, he like he really appeared and walked with his disciples and walked through some walls and appeared in some rooms and like many many people he saw cooked him them like, breakfast yeah, on a beach right how on. cool is that That's barbecue cool. as Dave would say men cook does fish, does fish count as barbecue men cook <laughs> men so Jesus so the miracles of Jesus in his 30s he had many friends that's a miracle in his 30s and then he he was mm. a man who cooked so those are big ones we miss <laughs> but no the truth of like <laughs> so it's like a really bad meme you saw somewhere and you thought you'd repeat I just here. made that one up but oh, it's okay. not going anywhere it's not going to be viral. Uh, but no, the, the, the fact that he did give evidence uh, and he did appear and he closed that and said, like, you're not just going to have to have this open-ended wondering of when I died, was that was that what I said true? But he showed that power in returning. Mm. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us of all this that, it, that he'd said. And, and surely in that process of the Holy Spirit is how we got the Bible because the Holy Spirit helped the disciples remember what had happened and write it down with accuracy and so um uh, there's just this richness of the present presence of god right this continuing thing it wasn't just a look back and remember all that stuff guys it's a he continues to walk forward with us and um that's just a thing i need to remember because the story in my head can slip back into i remember all those cool things that happened back then and and not that he's with me now and here so Hmm. it's interesting based off of last week and talking about lament and Mm -hmm. remembering the better days too that's interesting Mm -hmm. i wonder how that plays together okay i got one thing for you on that we don't we don't get to talk about these were corporate songs of worship in the psalms right like so so i remember better days david is writing whoever wherever in his room in his palace whatever it is but he's these songs are being sung by the people of god in this moment of worship talking about that so there's this crazy swirling truth of like remembering that's more like them being together rejoicing but remembering what it was to be sad so it's a weird time travel kind of <laughs> stuff like <laughs> can you plot that out on the, on the chart for me on the timeline yes well i'll did, put it on find my friends for this, you <laughs> i don't know if that'll work out so well. different application for different um uh, whatever words uh, time change is still messing with me. Mm. Yesterday it was pretty bad. Mm. If you went to the newcomer's lunch, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, anyways, but this is the point where he moves into actually talking about prayer, right? So John chapter 14, looking at verse 12, 13, 14, uh, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. The greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So in that part, uh, Dave talked a little about how can you do great works in Jesus? Well, it's gonna. he's talking about almost quantity, like going out, sharing the gospel, at reaching the ends of the earth. And then, whatever you ask in my name, verse 13, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And Dave Tate said that Jesus is a genie in a bottle. <laughs> you just ask for the right things, and it will work out right. Wait, hey, Dave is texting right now. <laughs> no, Joey, no. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. Um, but he did say that some people think prayers like a genie bottle, and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. all of us probably fall into this trap at some point where we're like, oh, wait, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm, I'm not doing this right. So how, I guess, do we do... How do we not do genie in a bottle prayers? What would you could put words in Dave Tate's mouth if you want, or you could <laughs> use your own words. How do you think we avoid making prayer just a genie in a bottle thing? I think part of it is is the whole sermon idea is practicing the presence of God. It's not that I just do my life and oh man, I I I, I need something. So it's kind of like we go to Google real quick to look something up, to find something out, and that's how we treat God. Mm-hmm. Is like, or scripture, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna go find the answer that I need real quick so I can go. So I'll just like go to God real quick and pray and try to get what I want because I need this rather than experiencing Him throughout the day and, and uh, seeking His wisdom 
throughout the day, through Bible reading, prayer, um, I'm just going there when I decide I need something and expecting Him to give me what I want. So it's not OK Google or Hey Siri or Alexa. Alexa. Nothing beeped in my office when we did that. That was pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if it beeped at your home. Sorry. <laughs> what else? What are your thoughts? This, well, that's to go perfectly with what Kathy said. Uh, John fifteen seven is the one I always think of. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so there's that very much that um, scripture shaping our correct our correct praying <laughs> but for sure. uh, but again as it came up in small groups so well um over the past few weeks i just i just want to keep encouraging people get messy like pray like don't don't wait to have a perfectly crafted psalm before you come to god but do be in the word and with other people who are in the word so they can help chip off the edges and sharpen the ways that you are praying in you know you're praying for the wrong things or you're wanting the wrong things but does that make sense like like, I love that, that we can come to a father who hears even our immature and not well-crafted prayers, uh, but then we do seek that maturity and we do yeah, look at his word and say, oh my gosh, like, I've been wanting things selfishly. Or, you know, we have people next to us who are in God's word that can say, hey, like, do you realize you're just asking for new cars all the time? Or, you know, whatever that is. Um, but get messy. Like, do it. Like, the just start making that a part of your life because um, we can make that hold us back if we're afraid mm -hmm. it has to be correct before we start praying so any other thoughts of that what's encouraged you all to to pray and to, to what's what's helped sharpen those i i think the scripture part is is what helps uh, has helped me at least the most is is you know in the exegetical model when we're reading scripture and taking out of scripture part of that model to get to the last step is to pray scripture right mm -hmm. so so learning that you know this is what mm. this is what god gave us this is his revealed will to us uh, in mm. scripture um this is where we see and find grace so if we want to pray according to his will or like dave said pray um pray in a way or pray for things that jesus would sign his name to Right, so he's saying to pray in his name means to ask for things that give God glory. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, one of the ways that, that make it really easy is to read and understand Scripture and to see what Scripture is saying and then pray for what Scripture is saying and what Scripture. And I got a little card somewhere that we can maybe put on the Internet. One of our prayer cards. Mm -hmm. Not prayer cards. Um, the study the owl cards. How to, how, to, how to read the Bible or study oh, Bible yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. We can put that on the Internet, too. Cool. But it has that step in there, too. And I think last week you all brought up the, the idea, right, of praying, praying through Scripture, uh, letting Scripture shape your prayers as you're reading and something comes to mind then you're, that Scripture has brought to mind, then, right. then, you, then you take that to the Lord. Uh, one of the things that has helped me is um, as I'm reading Scripture to then pray it through the ACTS model mm -hmm. so that I'm not just doing asking for requests mm -hmm. because that tends to be in my selfish ways I tend to just God help me I need this or give me the you know the giving that doing doing that list and so yeah. as I'm reading scripture praying through the ACTS model of what can I praise God the the adoration in here what is this text telling me about who God is and then I a lot of times will take that and see how it is that I am completely different than that you know god that's my c part the confession i i am not holy i am not loving i am not kind whatever those things that i that scripture has brought to mind that i'm opposite of god and then taking that thanksgiving and and seeing how god has provided for me through christ in that and then going to pray and asking god to help me live out those things that we've been talking about through prayer. Yeah, your requests end up changing a little bit, huh, when you yes. shape them in that model. And my confession, because I can mm. usually say, oh yeah, I I was angry with my husband, or I lost my patience here, and, and ask for forgiveness for that. But when I'm looking at who God is, and how I'm completely not that way, it changes, it, it reveals to me where I'm lacking and where I need him. And so those are places that I can also come to him and confess. It's like, yeah, I wasn't just angry. 
I'm, I'm missing compassion or I'm missing, mm-hmm. you know, kindness. Mm-hmm. I am so unlike you, God. And so it helps me, it, 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 again, it reveals those places in my heart and in my mind that are sorely lacking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's been helpful. That's good. That is good. Well, I was going to say, I think uh, what I'm going to tell you will sound really weird, but I think <laughs> w- our society is fo- so fast-paced that we often – uh, when we think of prayer, we think it's a one-way conversation, right? And so we don't stop and listen, or we are just intent on, I have to get this finished because I have to go to work or whatever it is. And I, I just think back, uh, I've gotten more busy in my life recently. But when I wasn't so busy, Jesus and I would go look for golf balls on the around the golf course because yes. I knew where all the bad golf balls went because I hit them there. <laughs> but it was just so, I mean, it's just, when I look back and I think that was so fun because Jesus loves going to look for golf balls with me and we would talk. <laughs> right. So I would, you know, I would start this conversation and then I'm looking for golf balls and then I would have these thoughts and I'd go, oh, yeah, that too, and talk to Jesus about that. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to find places where we can put ourselves in a conversation as opposed to like, let me just get this morning prayer stuff over with because I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm talking to me too because mm-hmm. I found myself in that busy place now mm-hmm. where I'm just I'm I know I need to pray, but I'm not spending as much time listening and just spending time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just as we have conversations with other people, they're different. Sometimes it might be a short snippet like a text. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be a deep, long conversation, mm-hmm. or other times mm-hmm. kind of like day to day chatting. And all those are different ways we can mm-hmm. pray. We, it, it isn't just one check the block, right. I've, I've mm-hmm. done my daily prayer for the day, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different ways it can be shaped mm-hmm. and look. I love that. I was, I was talking to my wife about this too. And like I feel like there's so much of admitting we're human and that, that we're, this, we're, we're body and soul together that can be applied to prayer. We know the way I like to think about it is we all are wired in these different ways. We know that, right? We think differently. We we respond to different things. Different things bring us joy. And so there's this sense in which we get to see this certain angle of God. And every, that's the beauty of the church is that we bring all these, you know, different observations of who God is together. But, but the same with prayer. I think we, we just write off God speaking to us when he's doing it in a thousand ways. Mm. And, but... We write it off in in the ways that we're wired. Sometimes, you know, like some like like my wife loves to garden, and I'm just like, man, instead of saying, "Here's this secular moment, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go over there and do the thing I like," instead of instead of whatever praying or something, like, man, press into that and say, like, while you're gardening, like, God, what are you teaching me? What can you show me through this? Mm-hmm. Or you mm-hmm. know, these things that we already love and already resonate with us. That may be the way God loves to speak to us personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she also does this great discernment thing with, with theology. And I'm just like, that. to me, I see that and I say, man, that's the Holy Spirit guiding you and saying, this person is saying whacked out stuff and this person is saying beautiful things. And because you've been in the Word, I'm, I'm showing that to you. And that is a way that God is speaking to you. So um, I just love that idea of being this kind of tuning fork of certain kinds of of uh, grace that God shows. Um, I did want to bring up a little bit of controversy too. <laughs> I like to look at both sides. So we said like, don't use God as a vending machine. I also see in our sort of tri- theological tribe, we kn- we know that some of us know that pretty well. And I find us not asking for anything. Yeah, don't be afraid to bring the desires of your heart. Right? Yeah. So how do you fight the other side of it where you're in small group and you're like, uh, I want to ask that my aunt gets healed, but that seems weird. Or I want to ask that I get a new job. You know, is there mm-hmm. any tool for that side of things? Where Chris just said he wants to pray that he gets a new job. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if anybody heard that. Dave's not I, here and he won't listen, so Dave uh, won't hear that. He's watching right now. Sorry. He's on the live stream. <laughs> I want to garden for a living. No. <laughs> but no, the point. The point is good. Is that we don't. We often will neglect to bring our request because we're afraid that we're not doing it right or afraid that we're going to be rubbing the genie bottle. Genie lamp. Genies are in lamps. I think even 
Sorry, I may not to answer my own question, but the scripture that came to mind is just those, there's those passages about ask, seek, knock, and this like this uh, strange. I think it was parables of Jesus. Sorry, this is the way out there of the like he keeps asking and asking and asking. There's these mm-hmm. weird things he talks about where it's like uh, <laughs> it's like be annoying to God, like keep saying it, be annoying like you'd be annoying to your neighbor if you wanted something. Like it's this weird mm-hmm. stuff. And so I find myself with that, like maybe that's a bit of a comfort, like when I'm praying the same things for my kids, I don't want to always pray only the same things, but there are these big things for them to follow God and to love him and to trust him. Like those things don't go away. And so even though I just pray that every single night, I want to pray more than that. But does that make sense? Like maybe that's a thing of don't give up on it just because you have to say it a thousand times. Or- be, be annoying like my four-year-old who, when she says... <laughs> Daddy, can we do X? And I say no. She says, well, what about X with stipulation of Y? <laughs> and I say no. And she says, well, what about if we stipulate V before X? She is a little negotiator. Lawyer. I'm, yeah. I'm literally at the point where I literally say, I said no about it. I'm going to say no about any other option or way that you say it. The answer is no right now. But she will ask over and over and over, and we'll be like, well, what if we tweak it this way or that way? Or tweak it? And I mean, not the tweaking part, but yeah. but the having this desire and wanting something to come about. And so you bring it to your father, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That idea. Yeah, it's it's going to be a mystery, but can any wise people help us out? Well, I think, you know, in our prayers, when we're asking for things, I think we have to, you know, <laughs> let our hand be open. We can't. We can't make the outcome. We can't say, "Oh God, you need, you have to do this because mm-hmm. I'm trusting in you." Uh, you know, God's going to do what's best for us. Like, like Heller said, if we knew what God mm-hmm. knew, we would be okay with w- the way He answers our prayers. Uh, so, yeah, there's this. You know, we can take verses like Matthew six thirty three, and you know, say, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." And we start to define all these things in ways that may not be scriptural. Mm. And so I think being in the scripture, uh, it's a growing process, right? We're being transformed. Our prayers are being transformed too. Uh, So we're we're less consumed with the circumstances of today and more concerned about character and what God's doing in our lives, what God's doing in other people's lives and how he can change them to grow. I, I think those are things that are happening in our lives over time as we just stay committed to talking to God. But but that transformation cannot happen if you're not doing it, though, right? right? Mm. So if you're not praying, your, praise, your prayers aren't going to get transformed. And, and, right. Uh, that's good. Get I messy, like people. Get messy. And, and it's hard to start, right? It's not going to be like, well, let me just easily do this today. So what are – maybe we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks too much, but – what are some options for starting? Where's a good place to start? Say, I don't pray ever, and I want to be transformed. I want my prayers to be transformed. Where should I start? You guys say. You know, it's been really interesting to watch uh, small groups <laughs> in the last few years because we've we've gone to a model where we separate the guys and the gals for prayer at the end of our small groups, and oftentimes you find that guys are very reluctant to contribute or to pray for somebody else. But as you keep doing it, eventually they start doing it. They, they figure out, oh, this is all right. I can stumble through this, and nobody's going to make fun of me. Nobody's going to say, oh, that was terrible. Uh, we know that God hears your prayers. And so I think there's an opportunity for us to, uh, to put people in an awkward situation and just keep working through it and keep asking, what what do you have that we can pray for? Uh, sometimes we set it up so, hey, the guy on your right is going to pray for you. And just force them into that's it. That's right. Just hold their feet to the fire, and they do, and they're okay, and they figure out, oh, I didn't die. And, yeah, I mean, I've done the same thing with yeah. the middle schoolers, yeah. with the middle school boys. We pray for each other every week. Right. Everyone has to do it, even if it's... Like the shortest, quickest little prayer, we're going to pray together. We're going right. to grow in that. Have to do it to grow in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Small groups, community, mm-hmm. and praying mm-hmm. together. I have two quick things. One, we've said it before, but praying the Bible is a great little handbook. Super, super short, but how to pray the Psalms and have a Psalm for each day. And um, 
something that may not be as obvious as like sometimes I pull that out with my kiddos because I know I'm still always praying for the same things. I like, well, let's it, it's it's a funny like it's a funny exercise in what is this song going to say right now? And I'm going to translate it for a kid. But it's it's beautiful, too. It's like God being our refuge or what does justice look like in, in the life of my child? So that's one thing I would I would highly recommend. Love that, that book. And then. Um, the, uh, our prayer guide, the Re- resurrection prayer guide, we're going through this kind of Lenten season. Dave loves to say, we don't believe in Lent, but we're doing this thing, <laughs> but we're doing it, uh, <laughs> but we're doing it. Um, and so we started doing it where it's, it's so easy for kiddos. Like if you get a chance to sit or we've been sitting around our breakfast table and I just recognized I've been doing the praying for my kids and I, we hadn't done a great job of like pretty much strong arming them into praying out loud because they don't want to do it. We're all introverts in my family pretty much. And they don't like to pray out loud and uh, we don't love it by nature either. Um, And so we just will do the like quick prompt and read the, read the passage. And then every kid's going to pray. And I just kind of like, here's how the kind of thing you can do. And we're going to all go around the table. And so, um, so that can be a really good tool, even for parents, I think. Um, But for us too, starting with us of just like, this little prompt may be a thing I would have never thought to pray or in that way. And so that's a good place to start probably. I think another option too is, is a prayer book. We often avoid mm. those type of things like scripted prayers and, mm. or, but it helps us see a model, right? That's what um, Christ did with his prayer, our father in heaven. Like it wasn't repeat this every time, but it's mm-hmm. a model for prayer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So maybe you can get a model for prayer for uh, eating a meal or a model for prayer. Uh, what's what's that liturgy book? Every moment holy. Every mm-hmm. moment holy. That's another by McKelvey, and you can get that on the Rabbit Room. Uh, that's a place to order it from on the web. Uh, yeah, there are several others. What's the name of the one that you had the other day? It's the old. Uh, I mean, I book have of Common Prayer. Of, no, he's no. talking about the uh, Valley of Vision. Valley of Vision. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Book of Common Prayer is another option too. Um, but there, there are options for prayers that can help you see what a model of prayer looks like, too. And I think just to add in there, something that we've practiced in groups before, especially with people who aren't used to praying, is just to say a, like a one-word or one-sentence prayer. And so you give the category, all right, what's one thing you can thank God for? And just say one word uh-huh. you know, or two words. I thank him for my health or I thank him for his love, what, whatever it is. Or what's one thing you can praise God for? Mm-hmm. What's one thing you want to ask God for? So just give them the, the broad categories and you only and you limit. So you're limiting the people who like to pray lots, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. But sometimes in groups that can make others feel uncomfortable. But you're also making it accessible to those who are a little bit more nervous, so just mm-hmm. yeah, very sentence. framed and, and mm-hmm. structured. And I think it's helpful with kids too. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yep. that makes me think of a, a tip. I just want to keep throwing out again and again. I don't remember if I had, but uh, was it a praying life was the book? But it, I was watching a DVD based on that, and they just hit me as a longtime Christian. You know, sometimes you're in that that time of prayer. What you know, whatever it is, five minutes or something. You know, 10, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And you keep getting distracted by something pulled off. Oh, I got to think of that, think of that, think of that. And that can be so frustrating, right? But uh, Paul Miller, I think, is who, is, mm-hmm. who wrote that one. He, he just said, hey, guess what? That thing that keeps pulling you away from praying, that's what you should pray about. Like, like just yeah. go with it for a second and, and bring that to God. So, so maybe for people who are already in this land of slightly longer times of prayer, Bring your distractions to God, you know, like, <laughs> let that be a way. Yeah, yeah. that's a form of meditation, not yeah. like the bad meditation. But, yeah. you know, when you get distracted, you don't just be like, fight the distraction, fight the distraction. You say, yeah. let me recognize that. Mm-hmm. Let me see yeah. that's there. And let me, in this case, bring it to God, right? Yeah. And let that work. Him. I think that's really good. Mm. Other thoughts, ideas? No, I'm just thinking we think... Sometimes we think we're interrupting God, right? Mm. You know, and <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, and he, there are no interruptions to God, right? Yeah, and it's interesting how in our own lives we tend to be focused on stuff, and we think we're getting interrupted when, in fact, God is putting something in front of us mm. that He wants us to deal with, right? Oh. So I think it ties to that idea of dealing Listening. with your distractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of times those are people who walk into mm-hmm. your office and, mm-hmm. and us introverts don't like to be interrupted <laughs> I'm we sorry to, Jim we have to use all our energy to get back on task you know uh, but yeah it's, 
That's awesome. It's really good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts or ideas, or I'm going to end this with the Jonathan Edwards quote. All right. So the, the thought and idea that, that Dave Tate presented after this quote, I want to present first and then read the quote, and we'll close out with that. But he presents the idea that, that the person that's about to be talked about, this is who we get to be present with for eternity. This is mm-hmm. who wants us in his presence. He says he doesn't want us to just know these things about him, but he wants us to know him. And the idea we've been talking about is one way you can know him is through talking with him, right? That's how we get to know someone more. So this is the Jonathan Edwards quote from The Excellency of Christ. He says, In Jesus Christ we see high majesty, yet deep humility, strong sense of justice, yet infinite mercy, tenderness, yet with no weakness, boldness, without any harshness, humility without any uncertainty, unbending conviction, yet totally approachable, insisting on truth, yet bathed in love, power without insensitivity, integrity without rigidity, passion without prejudice. He's divine and human. He's a lion and a lamb. This has been Sunday Recap. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments ever about our sermons or about the podcast, please email podcast at begrace.org. Check out more about Grace Bible Church at begrace.org.